Welcome to My Crazy Cast. If this is your first time here, my name is Carrie Gibson, and I'm your host. You know me from blogging these last several years over at MyCrazyAdoption.com. I've loved just writing these past few years. If you know me, you know that I'm a talker. My family always says I have the gift of gab, and I can't wait to gab it up with some of my most favorite people on this show. I'm going to introduce you to some old friends, even some new friends. But nonetheless, every month, I want to introduce you to guests that are out of the box. I want them to share their stories to inspire, encourage, and challenge everyone listening to love big, serve big, and play big. Most importantly, I want you to feel like you're sitting with me at a coffee house just talking about real life. So with all that being said, you are most welcome here. On today's show, I'm actually a little starstruck. We're talking to a number one New York Times bestselling author who sold over 25 million books. She's America's favorite inspirational storyteller, and some of her novels are even in the works to be theatrical and Hallmark movies. Her name is Karen Kingsbury. You gotta meet her. And on our coffee date via phone, we'll talk about her latest book, The Friends of Jesus, and wait till you hear who she met in New York City and had a special God wink. Plus, the person who inspired her to start the One Chance Foundation that helps families and orphans all over the world become forever families. So here we go. Grab a cup of your favorite blend of coffee, subscribe on iTunes, and let's do this crazy life together. Hi, Karen. Thanks for joining me on our coffee date. I'm so excited to hear about your heart for adoption and all the exciting things that have going on in your life. Well, thanks, Carrie. I'm real glad to be here with you. It's fun. Well, we've known each other for many years. And before we start, I have a really fun story to share with you. That'd be great. I'd love it. A few years ago, I was leading a mission trip to Uganda, and we were staying for two weeks and actually living in an orphanage. And um, just after settling down for the evening, we were all tucked in our mosquito nets, and all of a sudden, one of my team members burst into the door, and she was yelling, Carrie Baxter, Carrie Baxter. And my first thought was that this Carrie Baxter had been bitten by a black mamba snake, and I I cried out and was like, what oh, no. happened to Carrie Baxter? <laughs> and uh, who is that? Because I didn't remember seeing that name on my team roster. But she was jumping up and down and um, tore open my mosquito net and, and really was just enthusiastically clinging to me, saying that I was the Carrie Baxter. <laughs> and Karen, that's when it hit me that she was talking about the Baxter family. And so that is so funny. I know. And so oh. Carrie Baxter was even with me in Uganda. And I remember all those years ago, I called you on the phone. So honored that you spelled um, Carrie after me. And so that that through the years, I've had fun telling people that Carrie Baxter is way cooler than Carrie Gibson. But um, I love you and your <laughs> no. books. And I'm truly one of your biggest fans. And so thanks again for being here with me today. Well, it's so fun. And, you know, your dad was, that was like one of his things, please 
is? Could you make one of the Baxters named Carrie? And I thought it sounded perfect. And I cannot imagine <laughs> Carrie Baxter by any other name. So thanks for being such a great inspiration. Oh, it, it's it's just one of those special memories that I have with you. And well, I know we haven't talked in a while, so I would just love to catch up with you. And I'm so excited about your latest book, The Friends of Jesus, which looking through things, um, it's a richly told tale about six of Jesus's closest friends bringing biblical truths to life. And I would love for you to share with me and the listeners, where did the inspiration for this come from? Well, you know, as I write my novels, I hear from readers who say, now I have found a relationship with Jesus, or I feel closer to him or closer to my family. And I'm always so thankful to hear that. But I also kind of want to write back to them and say, oh, I hope that you're in the book. I hope you're spending time in God's Word, because our hope can be found in you know, Romans one sixteen that it's power of salvation, God's Word, and we need it. So desperately, and, and it was a few years ago that I thought, I wonder if I could put together a collection of short stories that would draw the reader in and let them be touched by the power of story, but move them to want to be in the Bible, mm-hmm. to a closer walk with Jesus. And so last year, at this time, I had the family of Jesus, six of the characters that were in the family of him, of Jesus, and the cost and the, the great price that they paid, and just some real deep stories. And this year, uh, the the book that has just come out is The Friends of Jesus, and these stories are deep, too. Really, you know, when you followed him and when you interacted with him, you were touched and moved in such a way that it's profound, and we can learn things from it today. So I kind of just take the the anchors of Scripture and put those in in the sand as unmovable stake poles and then let the canvas of the tent billow in between the stake poles so that the... um, you know, the story can kind of be colored between the lines that way, in a way that might have been. I feel like if, it, if it's such a thing that it might have been this way, then I'm okay with it, as long as it doesn't go against Scripture. Well, and I think, too, just through your research for this book, and with listeners, and, you know, this is like a, you know, sitting at a coffee house with my girlfriends, um, talking with you, what would you say to to the listener, um, what it like to be a good friend? What does that mean to be a good friend? Do you have a personal story? Well, I feel like I see this in a lot of my friendships uh, in terms of their commitment to love me through the hard times, be there when I most need it, to make time for each other, and to hold God's Word up again to our situations, to make sure that we're walking in His ways, the best ways. I think Jesus was the ultimate friend. He was the example that we can all... The irony is, everyone he interacted with that I write about in this book, they really weren't the greatest friend to him. They were trying to use him for his power, in the case of John, or they were um, jaded and, and, you know, against him in the way that Simon the Pharisee would have been before he became Simon the leper, or doubtful of him, like Martha, you know, if only Jesus had been there, her brother wouldn't have died, and just... Really, these people who who showed us how we are as friends, we, we are, you know, frail and will fail our friends sometimes, but we can learn grace and forgiveness by watching how Jesus interacted with these very people and how he laid down his life for them. Mm, I love that. And why is it important to not only know Jesus as our personal Savior and Heavenly Father, but to also know him as our friend? What would you say to the listeners? 
you know, it's very easy to hold Jesus as this role of Lord and Savior, which are hugely important, and those two go hand in hand. Um, but the friend is the one you walk with. It's the he's the one that you tell everything to, and you stop during the day or while you're driving, while you're making lunch for your kids, uh, while you're in a study break at school, and you actually just chat with him and talk to him and share your heart. Now, he knows anyway, but he's the friend standing by, ready to listen, ready to give you peace and comfort and bring a verse to mind or a scripture that uh, will make a difference in that situation. And as you spend time with him like that, you come to not only rely on him, but appreciate him as the friend that he's wanting to be. Well, and I think, too, that when I look over in in my life and the hardships or the different things that I've gone through, it is the friendships in my life that have, you know, just it's just they hold our hands, they get us through. And I can't wait to read this series, um, Karen. And where can people buy the Friends of Jesus? Well, you can get it anywhere books are sold, but the best place to connect uh, to all those venues and outlets would be through my website at karenkingsbury.com. And you can find out about the Bible study. LifeWay has done a Bible study where I have six teaching videos that go with the six different characters. And you can do that with your small group at school or a Bible study or, you know, a mom's group, whatever it is that you're a part of. With fall coming up, it's kind of the perfect time to decide that you're going to take a closer look at friendship, not only with each other, but with the best friend of all, Jesus. Well, and I can't wait to um, sink into this series as well. Um, You are so passionate about orphan care and adoption, um, building forever families. Can you share, um, especially with families considering adoption, more about the One Chance Foundation? Because I loved just checking out that part on your website about that, and we just would love to know more. Yeah, definitely. My my dad kind of gave me the phrase one chance because he taught us to live our lives with the reality that you only have one chance to spend this day. So it's not a dress rehearsal. You have one chance to write the story of your life, the, the story that really matters most uh, that God's given you to write. And so in that light, how can we make a difference? And our family decided after we had adopted three little boys from Haiti in 2001 that we would like to have a foundation that would give grants to people who were at the end stage of adoption. A lot of families go through this adoption process and, you know, they're ready to do all their, everything they've gotten done so far has been a huge journey. They've done their fundraisers, they've gotten sometimes other grants, but now they're at the last stage. They're trying to get on a plane and just get over there and pick up their child. And they need that last four or $5,000. And that's where we come in. Uh, we we try to give out you know a grant every other month. We're we're building that up right now, which is fun. We're about ready to uh, launch a campaign with the readers, so they can come alongside what we've done. And what we've done so far has really just been from when I go to events and take book sales, that kind of thing, and just put them over to the One Chance Foundation. But we are just thrilled as a family, and all of our our kids are all involved. They all look at the applications and have their favorites and say, "We got to help this family." It's been, it's been a family project, and it's going to become, I think, a worldwide project. 
Well, you know, and I don't know if you realize this, but when I met you all those years ago um, as a young mom, um, I had no idea that not only would God send me on my very first mission trip to Haiti, and I know they had to be a part of just because of your love for Haiti, and um, and I've been able to go back with you know mission teams that I've led, and I love Haiti so much, and just knowing that um, you planted that seed in my life as well as with adoption, and we brought home our beautiful baby girl from Ethiopia. Um, uh, almost almost eight years ago now. Um, she was just a little six-month-old, seven-pound baby. And you were the one of the first people that I had ever met that had adopted. And I remember the story when you told me when they first went to the grocery store. And Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, when we, when we first went to the grocery store and they'd never been, and they, you know, they'd been so hungry. And, um, you know, just starved, really, when they were living on the streets. When they got into the orphanage, they were getting about eight or 900 calories a day. So still not enough, but at least something. And one of the things they loved, of course, were the mangoes. And uh, we got into the supermarket, and first thing they saw was this huge stack, a pyramid full of mangoes. And both Sean and EJ just took off running. They were five years old and just ran up to this pile of mangoes and just started crying like, Here's where they've been. This is the mother load of all mangoes right here. Um, before that in Haiti, and I, you may have seen this too with your little um, we You know, you didn't adopt your, your daughter from there, but when you were in Haiti, how the kids would spot a mango in a tree, and they would pick up a rock, and whoever could be the best aim and the fastest feet would get the mango. It's so true. So this was a huge yes. deal, you know, at the, at the supermarket, and we let them each pick out as many mangoes as they wanted. It was quite an adventure. Probably the best mangoes I've ever had. We really we were at an orphanage, and some boys wanted to kind of show off and climb this really, really tall mango tree, and the mommy and me wanted to tell them to get down, but they skillfully went up and kept dropping us. I must have eaten probably ten mangoes that day. But what a what a precious thing to be able to, you know, go through this process. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. You adopted before it was considered the cool thing to do. I mean, you were radical before it was cool to be radical. What was the process <laughs> that God took you and your husband, Don, through to adopt and to choose to adopt from Haiti and, and those beautiful best friends? Well, you, you know, I feel like um, it all started with Austin, our youngest biological son, and he was born with a heart defect. After he had his heart surgery, the doctor said, you know, it was a, he was a believer, too, and he said it was a miracle that your son made it, but any other kids you might have would have a similar heart defect, most likely. So we made the decision prayerfully that we were done having biological kids, and it took about a year or so after Austin was, you know, healed and he was wanting to walk and whatnot, and we just kind of looked at each other and said, we have room in our hearts and in our home for more kids. And there was a five-year gap between our oldest son and our youngest son at that point. So we kind of said, why don't we try to fill in the gap? And and for the first year, we looked through um, listings in the United States, through the social services system, and our social worker finally just said, you know, it wouldn't be safe to bring a child who has been so hurt, so abused, so damaged, uh, who would be older than Austin into the house. That wouldn't be a safe idea. But, she said, there's a Christian orphanage in Haiti, and at that point it was only about a nine-month process to bring a child home from there, and that sadly is much, much longer now. 
But uh, she put the idea in our hearts, and that night we went on a photo listing from this orphanage, the Heart of God Ministries, and we found the photo of EJ, who eventually become our son. And we knew as we looked at him, he is going to be our son. Mm. Well, and I think, too, just um, you took this huge faith leap and 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 it is it's like you know i heard someone say that adoption is like radical hospitality and and then for for these three best friends to get to come and be a part of your family um has truly inspired so many karen and um would you have any advice to adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents well the way ours worked out once we had settled in on ej we you know, prayed about it, and we had started the process and decided quickly that we would actually adopt two children. And it was funny, because that's right when the Baxters were taking off, and at first we really weren't sure we'd be able to afford to even adopt one child, and then all of a sudden we could afford to adopt two, which was just amazing, um, another part of the miracle. I think one bit of advice I'd give is, go to if you have kids already, go to those children and make them a part of the process. So we did that, and we asked our kids what they thought. We basically said they all had veto power. So if there was anyone who said, I am completely not okay with this, and this is our family, I don't want to add to it, we would have respected that. But because we included them from the very beginning, it was a project that they were excited about, and they couldn't wait to meet their new brothers. So, you know, we, we ended up going to Haiti to pick up Sean and EJ, and this little Josh comes over and says, hi, Mommy, I love you. And it was at that point that I was like, who is this little one? And, and of course, he was part of this trio of best friends. So I called my husband, and he said, well, two, three. And, you know, at that point, since we'd made it such a family project and everyone was so on board, it was an easy thing to say, we're going to go from two to three, and we're just going to double our family. It's time for Carrie to refill her coffee. Maybe you should, too. We'll be back right after this. Calling all my mission-hearted friends. Join me as your fearless leader on a storyteller mission trip to India, November 2nd through the 12th of this year, 2015. We'll be visiting the slums in Delhi, loving big on orphans, as well as ministering to students in their local schools. Plus, you'll even get to visit the Taj Mahal in the Pink City. This much I know, mission trips will radically change your life as we love big, serve big, and play big. So apply now at awaa.org slash storyteller missions. Or you can always go to mycrazyadoption.com to find the link. I can't wait to be with you in India. a coffee date with your girlfriends. It's Carrie Gibson's My Crazy Cast. Welcome back. I hope you've been enjoying our coffee date with Karen Kingsbury. Wait until you hear what's coming next. Well, and listeners can read more about your story on your website. And it truly is one of the most beautiful adoption stories that I've ever read. And I think, too, sometimes, you know, I'll talk to someone and they'll tell me, well, adoption isn't for me. And that's and that's true. Adoption is not for everyone. We're not all called to adopt, but we're all called to be a part of orphan care. What are some ways, Karen, that you see that people can be a part of orphan care? Well, certainly one way we can all be a part of that is praying for the orphans and praying for a way that you might get involved. Ask God, how can I help? 
Another way that we're going to try to be making available real quickly uh, to readers, to listeners, is go to my website, KarenKingsbury.com, and make a decision to give $5 a month, $3 a month uh, toward an agency or a foundation like the One Chance Foundation so that your money, 100% of it, goes directly toward helping kids go home to their forever families. There are many different ways that a person can help. Certainly, um, you may know someone in your church who's adopting, and then you're going to be the one bringing meals that first week. I think the key is to be praying for an opportunity, looking to help, so that as a church, we can become the answer for the problem of orphans in our world. Well, and I think, too, that sometimes um, adopted families feel so alone. And I love that your website really does provide a way for, um, you know, for their community, for family and friends to be involved through their adoption process. And, you know, I, I was really touched that your dad was such an inspiration for you, especially with, um, with starting the One Chance Foundation. I was kind of just peeking around in your website and found the God Wink that, that was filmed on the Today Show when you met Rod yes. Stewart and would you have I know we just have a few more minutes would you tell a little bit about because I know how I know my dad has been so inspirational in my own life but that story mm-hmm. that God wink was so special for me too and I wanted you to share a little of that yeah absolutely so my dad had called me when I was in my mid-20s late 20s I'd just gotten married and he said you know I just heard a song and it made me think of you and Don and the kids that you'll have to come and and your siblings and the family, it just made me realize that I needed a song that would always say what I felt, and this is that song. And it was Rod Stewart's Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. Now, it's funny because he wasn't really a huge Rod Stewart fan. It wasn't like we had ever gone to a concert or really listened to the music, but this song captured how my dad felt. And so we'd hear it here and there, and and always we would smile and think of my dad. And then in 2007, I was at CBA at the Christian Book Association conference there, and I got a call from my husband that my dad had had a, a heart attack. And everyone in the room, I think your dad might have even been in the room, and we all gathered around, and they all prayed for me that I would be able to make it back time to be able to see my dad before he went home to heaven. And God answered that prayer, and I got to go home, and all of us gathered in the ICU, and we brought music. And one of the songs we brought was Rod Stewart's song, have I told you lately that I love you? And my dad was on a trach. He was pretty sick, but he could communicate with us, and he understood us. He knew who we all were. We held his hands, and we played that song, and you can just see a lifetime of memories in his eyes. And, uh, you know, six weeks later, after he went home to heaven, everything was said. Nothing was left unsaid. It was a beautiful six weeks we had together. And um, on his tombstone, it now says, Have I told you lately that I love you? That was a very important song for us. And then after he passed away, at the most crazy times, we began to hear that song. Like on the first day on my movie set for um, for my first book being turned into a movie, like Dandelion Dust, I go into the restroom and that song is playing. Or uh, coming out of a play, the first one that my kids were in that my dad would have missed. And we get in the car and we turn on the engine and sure enough, before we get to the edge of the parking lot, that song comes on. It's always Rod Stewart's song. Every time we turned around, we went to the Bahamas, we all stepped out on the deck, and down below, as soon as we walked out onto the deck of our hotel room, playing from the Bahamian band is Rod Stewart's Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. So it was just constant. So then I'm in New York, and this was just a few years ago, and celebrating the release of one of my books, and, and I was really struck by the thought that I wish I could call my dad. 
because he was so proud of the books, more proud than I ever, you know, he cared about the, the details and the awards and things like that. And he was just so proud. And I thought, oh, today would have been a day. I would have loved to have called my dad. But it's New York City. You know, I'm not going to be able to do that. You can't hear any songs being played. So I get in the cab with my daughter and son-in-law. And we head down to Highline Park, which was a suggestion that one of the people at the publisher, Simon & Schuster, had, had suggested we go down there. So we get down there. We take our time, finally make it up the steps. It's this uh, old abandoned railway that's been made into a park on the southern tip of Manhattan. You can see the Hudson River, and we're taking pictures, and this, this gentleman walks up, and he looks at us, and he says, I'll take that for you. And so Kelsey, my daughter, goes over and helps him understand the camera, and so he takes it, and he looks at the picture for a second or two, and he says, that is really lovely. And then he hands the camera back to Kelsey. Well, he starts to, he starts to walk on his way, and Kelsey says, Mom, do you know what that was? And I said, well, yeah, just a nice guy helping us. And she said, no, Mom, that was Rod Stewart. And I said, what? And she said, no, he just told me I'm usually on the other side of this thing, the camera, but this is fun, too. So I didn't want to look too crazy, but I hurried as quickly as I could after him. And I said, sir, sir, you just took our picture. And he stopped, and he, he, he waited for me to catch up. And he said, yes, the picture was lovely. And I said, sir, are you Rod Stewart? You could tell he didn't want a big fanfare, but he said, yes, I'm in town doing my, my book tour. His autobiography had just released, and I told him about my dad, and I told him about my dad's tombstone and his song, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You, and Rod Stewart said, can I give you a hug? And I said, that would be great. So he hugs me, and he oh, points up to heaven, and he says, you just, not, you'll never know how much this meant to me. And then he moseyed on along, and I sat down with my daughter and son-in-law. We were like, what are the odds? Like, this can't happen, and we knew there were no odds. It was just, you know, God showing us his favor to say, your dad's okay, and you are going to see him again. That is just amazing. And then to get that special personal tribute from, from him on that segment on the Today Show when he, when he came on and then just personally talked to you, I was so blown away. Well, yeah, but today's show said we're not going to run this story unless we actually get a hold of Rod Stewart and we verify that this actually happened. And so they did. And he said, yep, yep, that definitely happened. And then it was a complete shock to me when they had his video message to me on the show. But, you know, just another story just keeps playing out. <laughs> and I think, too, you know, my dad, I, I know you know this, he um, is recovering this past year with a septuplet bypass surgery. And just knowing that I could have lost him and um, and just what an inspiration your dad has been in your life. And I know we're so honored to have these awesome dads. And I just, I can't, be, I honestly can't believe that I've been talking to America's favorite inspirational storyteller. And this really <laughs> has been such an honor at so many levels. And I just wanted to thank you for the autographed copies of your books. And we're going to, I'm going to share with listeners later on how they can win. And just thank you for just your, um, just this amazing opportunity to get to talk with you and get to know you at a deeper level. Well, thank you, Carrie. We'll have to do it again. It was great chatting with you and catching up. I sure enjoyed it. Thanks, Karen. And because Karen's the best, she gave us two autographed copies of her latest book. And we're going to give those away. All you have to do to win is follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carrie Gibb. And she's at Karen Kingsbury. Leave us a tweet with the hashtag MyCrazyCast. Well, thanks, friends. Can't wait for our next coffee date right here on MyCrazyCast. See ya. 
Want more My Crazy Cast? Find Carrie on iTunes and subscribe now. Tell your friends to join the family and let's do this crazy life together. It's Carrie Gibson's My Crazy Cast. Do you have a question or comment you want Carrie to hear? Or do you want to be part of the show? Go to MyCrazyAdoption.com now and leave her a voice message. Carrie is all over the social media buzz. Find her on Facebook and Twitter today.